Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. On The Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, and we have uh, one fun couple of hours here for you today uh, with our special guest out of New York City where this weekend it has snowed, John tells me, Brad, a couple of feet. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Uh, John has made angels and a big snowman outside. So he's ready for his interview, media columnist for Business Week. Patrick Meyer is with us today. Uh, we're going to learn either to zig or to zag, and that has nothing to do with being in traffic. Uh, ROI or die is Joe Jaffe's feature on our show today. Jeffrey Ginnemer talks about the uh, the word value. I think it's a good word. Uh, our, does your brand have value? Do you have value? Uh, Andy Borowitz with us, too. A little recap from President Bush on Super Bowl Forty: The wacky world of marketing has some dumb moments in advertising. As we all know, we don't have to go far to find dumb moments in advertising, hmm. and uh, uh, I believe you told me before it was uh, the advertising showcase. Is that right? That is correct. Okie dokie, then. Let me circle good. Okay, mm-hmm. there we go. So here we are. How are you doing? Well, doing. if I was doing any better, I'd be Ray Shillings, but besides that, I guess I'm doing fine. You know, a lot of the, our listeners want to have a, a mind picture of, of what our studio looks like, what we're doing here, and I just want to mention that uh, out of celebration of this year's Winter Olympics that got underway, of course, Friday night with the opening ceremonies. Did you watch that, Ray? No. You didn't? <laughs> you know, I, I left for an early dinner, and I thought, you know, I really should have uh, T-boed that, and I got home, and they were to the seas, so I was okay. They were to uh, the seas? We, you know, Country-wise, okay. I exactly. And I, I didn't know until uh, we got further in that uh, the hosting country always goes last, I guess, because Italy came in, you know. Uh, at the end, but uh, it was interesting. But I want uh, all of our listeners to know that uh, out of celebration of the Olympics that uh, you are wearing an extremely tight-fitting Lycra bodysuit, and, and I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that. <laughs> and I've also waxed my body for speed, you see. Wish. Well, you have to to put that thing on. That's exactly right. That's ex- yeah. Just call me Joe Namath. Well, you're looking good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. That would be fun to... The Winter Olympics, I'll tell you, that sincerely, the Winter Olympics do not capture my attention whatsoever. I'm not an ice dancing fan. I don't like to watch skating. I'm happy to watch these guys go down the hill and ski. But there again, there's someone who likes to watch golf, okay? Yeah. So, I mean, you put things in perspective. And we were, we've got the, the, the Pebble Beach uh, uh, Open. It's the Bing, it's not called the Bing Crosby, but it used to be called the Bing Crosby Pebble mm-hmm. Beach. And they've got a lot of celebrities out there and everything uh, this what weekend. What do they call it now? I think it's just, what is it, Pebble Beach uh, Championship or hmm. Pebble Beach Pro-Am? Okay, hmm. yeah, that's what it is. Generic. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, Bing's gone, so that's the way yeah, it goes. Well, surprise, a sponsor hasn't la- latched onto that. Do they not do that in golf? Uh, in this particular one, I don't think this one has a uh, sponsorship like that. Uh, I could be wrong, though. You know, you mentioned uh, your own personal interest in uh, Winter Games, and and NBC has set conservative audience targets for the Winter Games this year. Uh, Past Friday night projections, uh, apparently primetime ratings for the 12 to 14 range is uh, down considerably of what uh, it was expected or what they achieved, I should say, in 02. Hmm. Uh, The Winter Games, of course, in Salt Lake City, 25% below the the audience uh, 
in terms of their estimates. Although NBC expects its Olympic audience to shrink, it is still managed. This is the leave it to networks to do this. It is still managed to jack up the prices, of course, for its commercial messages. Sure, sure. NBC and its sister uh, cable nets uh, have sold nearly 97 percent hmm. of their inventory. And interestingly enough, uh, that that would be approximately 900. Thirty million dollars in uh, ad revenue for the network, and what did they pay for the uh, rights for What's, the games? What did they pay? Six hundred million. Really? They're making some dough. They're making a little dough on that. And if you want to run your spot, just call CBS or ABC. They have plenty of inventory available. Okay. <laughs> well, or one of the other stations. It, it's interesting you say that because uh, apparently uh, Idol gave. Uh, Gave the Grammys a run for their money this past week uh, when the Grammys switched to a Wednesday broadcast, which they hadn't uh, normally done in years. They did that because of the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But uh, apparently uh, the idol, uh, Fox's idol, gave them a a bit of a run for the money. Real quickly, the numbers, 17 million viewers for for the, uh, let's see here, for the uh, Grammys, and yet uh, 28 million viewers for idol. So... Idle outperformed uh, the Grammys, at least for the hour that they were on. Let's uh, let's take a break here, Brad. We've got a couple of minutes before the break, and Joe Fine joins us here, and we'll uh, check in with Joe Jaffe on the advertising show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant Joseph Jaffe. ROI or die, that's the rallying cry of accountability. But what does ROI really mean? We're talking about revenues and therefore we're talking about profitability. But profitability is not a direct benefit. It is a derived benefit and a derived outcome from marketing communications, from advertising campaigns or marketing spend. We're taking our eye off the prize. We're looking at derived benefits as opposed to direct benefits. And direct benefits would come in the form of anything on the continuum of click-through, time spent, for example, number of email addresses that are captured, or the number of white papers that are downloaded. At the end of the day, for every action is an equal but opposite reaction. And in many cases, that reaction can in actual fact be greater than the original action. Now that greatness can take the form of engagement, of multiple clicks, of conversion on a website, And the eventual outcome, that derived outcome, will be the sale. But that sale is a process. And it's about time that we stop thinking in oversimplified binary terms and start thinking about direct benefits that ultimately will lead to derived outcomes. This has been A Different Perspective. Featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. John Fine about to join us here. Uh, the media columnist for Business Week, uh, prior to his arrival at Business Week, John was the media reporter for Advertising Age. I did not know that, where he covered the magazine and newspaper industries. Uh, in his uh, previous life in freelance work, he's appeared in uh, GQ, Spin, ESPN, the magazine, uh, Columbia Journalism Review, and Newsday, where he wrote the uh, Pushing 30 column that when he was pushing 30. He's probably pushing 40 now, but we'll find out, I guess. Hmm. Uh, Anyway, that's uh, John in just a few minutes out of New York City. Valentine's Day is coming up, Brad. Just Mm -hmm. just wanted to remind you. 
Well, thank you. Actually, Laura called and said, would you mind if Brad, that's uh, it's Valentine's Day, because he usually forgets, okay? <laughs> that's not true. It's, no, that's not. Starbucks uh, wants to be on the cutting edge when it comes to the uh, latest trends in the dating game. As recent surveys have noted, online dating is growing in popularity. We wouldn't know that. And mm-hmm. people who meet online typically like to meet for the first time in a setting that provides an easy out, so to speak, side door. And uh, that setting, surveys have also suggested, is quite often a coffee house like... Starbucks. So uh, there we go. Armed with that data that Coffee Giant has uh, teamed with Yahoo personnels to uh, produce an espresso dating guide. It can be found exclusively online at yahoo.com slash espresso dating. I'll repeat that here in just a moment. John Fine standing by and we'll be with uh, him and uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth in just a moment. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Never borrow money needlessly just when you must. Borrow them when loans are a specialty from folks you trust. Borrow confidently from H. There's a commercial you would uh, never hear on the Dave Ramsey show, probably. You know, just wouldn't happen. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth uh, on the advertising show, where you do hear that commercial. Our special guest out of New York City this weekend is John Fine, the media columnist for Business Week magazine. Spoke to John just a few moments ago, and he said, you called me Joe. I said, well, I'm sorry, Bob. (laughs) So, John Fine, welcome to the advertising show when we promise to get your first name right. The rest of the show. Now, after the show, that's another story, okay? Yeah. Yeah, did you, yeah, did you see that guy on the show last past weekend? You know, Bill? No, his name is John. Anyway, but anyway, welcome to the advertising show, John. It's nice to have you here. Great to be here, guys. Yeah, and Ray, I uh, had the pleasure of looking at a little longer bio than you're looking at there, and uh, finds apparently background with, with uh, bands, which was right up your alley, Ray, because you're a former band member yourself. This guy has not only released CDs, but just to date himself, he's uh, released LPs. And performed in ten foreign countries. Well, that includes um, Canada, which I guess counts as a foreign country. Well, right. and of course, it was we've all performed in Mexico, but that's a whole other uh, <laughs> another program. <laughs> so uh, you were in bands. Huh, what John? happens in Mexico? Yes, it's it's true. Uh, continue to be actually. Um, okay. Yeah, he's been born in Texas, by the way, Ray. Raised uh, raised in, as they say, the wild suburbs of, of New Jersey. Uh, any CDs out we would know? About? Any bands that we would know of note? Um, certainly, I was uh, well. I was performing with a band called Don Caballero in the uh, '90s, who I believe still have records on print. And previous to that, I was in a band, forgive the name, Bitch Magnet, which also had several CDs <laughs> out. Which uh, I believe it's also available on Amazon.com and places like that. You know, it's it's interesting you're talking about. We were talking about the Grammys last segment. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Bono and U2 uh, had uh, had some. They did some Bono. music. Uh, Bono, yeah. Bill, oh, Bob, sorry. whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah right. right, exactly. Joe, I think it is. Uh, anyway, he. Uh, th- my wife uh, heard the, uh, the this particular uh, song they uh, performed there on the Grammys, and she goes. That's the song from that iPod commercial, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> of course, my wife's a little younger than myself, and she also likes to say, I know Paul McCartney was in a band before. I've heard Wings. No, no. Anyway, so... Uh, no, I know anyway. she knows really of the Beatles. Beatles. Now, come on. 
Yeah. You're absolutely hey, well, right, let, though, Brad. Let's, let's get some inside scoop. You used to work for Ad Age. Who'd you piss off at uh, Crane to no longer be working there? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, uh, all of them, I think, at one point or another. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's no, no, good for no. you. That's great. Congratulations. <laughs> Hardly. Actually, no, they, they, they were – that that was a blast. I, I look back fondly um, on those days. But um, about, um, gosh, uh, close to a year ago, Business Week called me with the proverbial uh, offer that I couldn't refuse. So uh, I went. Yeah. You actually then, called Rance Crane Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry. Sorry, Mr. Crane. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the future of media distribu- uh, distribution, which, of course, I think the future of media distribution may be now, actually. As, as consumers gain more control over media consumption, what, what can uh, media companies do to get some of their distribution control back, or can they? Well, wow, that's really an enormous question. And if um, if I knew that, I'd probably calling from a you know an undisclosed location if I actually had the answer to that. Uh, broadly speaking, <laughs> I think what's what's really uncomfortable right now is that media companies have to get used to giving up a degree of control um, that they've never really done before. There's this thing, as we all know, called the internet, which we all seem to be sort of hooked onto intravenously um, several hours a day. And what really works on the Internet is not just putting your content out there and having people access it, but um, putting your content out there and having people play with it. Um, The next generation of consumers is being teethed on sites like MySpace and Flickr, where, you know, you put something up and people make comments and maybe they edit a little bit, and you kind of have this, um, you know, forgive the term, group grope happening around content and content morphing and changing as it gets passed from one hand to another. This is completely different from anything, you know, your traditional big media company is used to doing. Um, They're used to putting the TV show out, the radio show out, you know, the newspaper out, and that's pretty much it. You know, about 10 years ago, they thought, great, the Internet, we'll just put the newspaper on the Internet. What they found is that, you know, you can certainly drive a certain amount of traffic that way, but, you know, what we've seen in the past year or so... uh, is that the new model, the model where content is something to be played with as opposed to something just passively consumed, you know, that really has legs. And I'm not sure any big media company has figured that out to any degree yet. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. certainly the big challenge on their plate, or at least one of many right now. Yeah, you know, you you talk a a lot about uh, on your... uh on your blog, uh, the Daily Newspaper of Tomorrow. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about John's uh, blog, it's businessweek.com slash innovate slash find on media. And you uh, mentioned that some, some of your suggestions are that today's newspapers, uh, in order to increase, uh, uh, attract, attract more of an audience than they're certainly capable of doing in their traditional publications, to increase local coverage and, and redesign to more of a premium product. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I guess there's sort of two ways to look at it. Um, one is, you know, the assumption is that everyone is going to be able to get sort of the generic um, news of the day online. The one thing that your average daily newspaper can offer that no one else can touch is that they have a bunch of reporters in a very specific geographic area. And generally, the newspaper is going to be the best and have the biggest just sort of, you know, um, manpower in terms of covering the local area. They have the most bodies that they can just sort of send out and... Um, you know, do local stories with. That is really the one killer app that they can leverage. Um, now, you know, whether or not they just start doing more local stories is really going to do it isn't just, isn't it alone. What you could sort of see here is um, if the assumption is that people are going to get a lot of generic news online, um, you know, newspapers could try a two-tiered approach, which would be um, they put out a sort of fairly generic standard news, you know, short take, uh, free daily. You've seen this in many cities, uh, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Dallas. Uh, that's just a few. And then they can do a sort of more uh, 
designed uh, kind of premium news product, hopefully as a chance to earn a little more money from the uh, upper crust of the local demographic. But local news is really kind of the secret sauce here, um, because that's the one thing that newspapers can do that really no one else around them can. Yeah, you know, uh, USA Today, uh, David Lieberman wrote an outstanding story uh, earlier, I guess it was uh, Mm -hmm. February 1st, uh, on uh, newspapers and how they're evolving to look to, to new ways of attracting an audience, and certainly he mentions hyper-local uh, news mm-hmm. approach, and, and uh, gives Bluffton, uh, uh, Bluffton Today, a publication out of uh, South Carolina, a, a town of 28,000, and how they do a more uh, focused uh, local news approach. I guess the jury, uh, you know, the idea would be, can you pull that off in a major market, not a market like uh, like a 28,000 South Carolina market? But the other thing that I found interesting, John, about uh, the article was mentioning uh, Naples Daily News in Florida and how they're using a variety of media to, uh, to I guess, you know, realize that the traditional newspaper really needs to look to technology to attract new, new, uh, new readers. Talk a little bit about that if you're familiar with uh, Naples Daily News. Well, actually, I got to confess, I'm not familiar with the specific um, Naples Daily News uh, experiment. I mean, are they just sort of, uh, you know, doing like radio, internet, that well, kind of thing, or something more specific? Well, actually, they're using uh, iPod, cell phone, PlayStation, mm-hmm. TV, radio, as well as magazine as a, a means to. Uh, I guess the, the buzz now, the buzzword is uh, platform agnostic. I'm sure. Oh, you're certainly, yeah. I mean, I think any any newspaper worth its salt has been, you know, using the the web, um, you know, for probably close to a decade now, and. Uh, if you're in a smaller uh, community like Naples, Florida, like Bluffton, where you can really, you know, dominate, where there really isn't going to be a local radio station or any other real competing media, you can surround the consumer in ways that you can't do elsewhere. We're going to uh, take a break here, uh, John, in just a moment here on the advertising show. Brad, looking at the uh, <laughs> looking at the news, uh, <laughs> the news feed. Here's something brand new in Texas. Vice President Dick Cheney shoots hunting companion. Mm-hmm. That happened Saturday I'm, night. You think I'm making this up? No, no that happened Saturday. If Saturday you're vice night? president, you can shoot somebody on Saturday. That's it a make reported on Sunday. Sunday, I see. Yep. Okay, the guy's mm-hmm. doing fine. This is a new version of Homeland Security, you see. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the uh, the name of the uh, the uh, golf tournament is AT&T Pebble Beach. Oh, well, so they, they did pick it up, as a matter of fact. Sure. John Fine is up next here, and uh, we also have uh, the dumbest moments in advertising. Not with John. Uh, this is the Wacky World of Marketing coming up now. And now it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update comes from Business 2.0's 101 Dumbest Moments in Business Advertising. Number eight. Here's to you, Mr. Insult, your customer's marketing guy. In January, a new installment of Anheuser-Busch's Real Men of Genius ad campaign celebrates Mr. Discount Airline Pilot Guy for putting the fly-in fly-by-night. When the ad comes to the attention of executives at low-fare carrier AirTran Airways, Director of Marketing Tad Hutchison calls the brewer to complain and is put on hold, where he hears not Muzak, but a loop containing the offending ad. AirTran threatens to yank Budweiser from the airline's galleys. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
you know me. Would you believe I'm Bugs Bunny? I'm also the voice of many other cartoon characters. But in here, they don't care if I'm Elmer Fudd. So I carry an American Express card, the one card I need for travel and entertaining, for business and pleasure. Well, without this, the only way I'd get any attention is by saying, that's all, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Classic spot for American Express on the advertising show with uh, Mel Blanc, uh, the infamous, uh, or the famous, I should say, uh, character voice guy. Infamous is not a good thing to be. No. John Fine is not infamous. He's famous. He's the media columnist for Business Week magazine and uh, talking to us out of uh, two feet of snow in New York uh, this weekend. Glad to have you on the advertising show and welcome. Not a problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, you know, uh, John, you, you, you told your readers repeatedly, both through your weekly column at Business Week as well as your blog, to steal from Google. So so what are we supposed to do here, John? Well, they've got a lot of money to see. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so does Sport Knox, John. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Basically, there, there's, um, you know, what Google has done in terms of advertising is they've, they, they're coming to advertisers with a very simple ROI, uh, return on investment proposition. Um, you know, you put up an ad, uh, a text ad, and if people click on it, you pay. And if they don't, you don't. And you can sort of track... If they're going to their website from Google, you can you know maybe do some little calculations on your own as to you know how much of that traffic you convert into a sale. This is so many miles beyond what you can do with print or TV advertising. It's almost not worth talking about. And obvi- and this is the sort of thing that you know network execs and newspaper execs and magazine execs spend a lot of time worrying about. I'm not sure they've spent as much time worrying as they've spent time maybe trying to find a way to do this themselves. Um, you know, certainly there's ways that they can create ads that have their own uh, ROI indicators. Um, but they seem to be very slow in adopting this. Uh, basically, old media seems much more into complaining than innovating these days, unfortunately. And I say that unfortunately because last I checked, I was working for a very uh, yeah. established old media brand. Right. Uh, that happens to be you know wise enough to have an online version and a, a very w- easy to navigate and, and well uh, presented uh, online version at businessweek.com, I might add, and I'm not being paid to to say that. Uh, Google, let's stay with Google for a second. They've been in the news lately, both uh, last month and this month, with some interesting announcements. Uh, As of just Friday, they uh, mentioned that they're going to be delving a little deeper into the print advertising and online auctions uh, that are now holding uh, to uh, sell print ads in some Mm -hmm. 27 magazines in three categories, automotive, lifestyle, as well as technology. Uh, and and unlike their dabble of a while back uh, with uh, last year's uh, selling of ads through their uh, AdWords uh, uh, system, this, this new one is going to be, I think, a little more involved in terms of both the product offering as well as the uh, various size ads that you can purchase. Last month, John, as you may know, you probably do, Google announced its plan to acquire a company called DMARC, a company that's apparently going to be helping Google assist in the selling of radio ads. So what are your thoughts on this, John? Can Google really change the way traditional media is being bought and sold today? Well, I think uh, just in terms of an, as an influential, it will change the way that media is bought and sold um, with traditional media. Um, I have to say I'm a bit of a Google skeptic to a certain degree. I think there's only going to be so many things that they can do really well. Um, they did try out uh, sort of a magazine buying uh, utility a year ago. Um, actually, I'm sorry, not a year ago, but last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not to put too fine a point on it or anything, but um, the ads that they came up with just looked really dreadful. Uh, they were, they mm-hmm. were basically whole-page ads that were cut into sort of like 16 one-inch strips, and, you know, each strip was an ad. Um, I can't possibly see how that would be effective, you know, in the context of a magazine where there's already plenty of ad pages. It just, it just, I just think um, people would fly right by it. They are going to refine it with this next wave of uh, ads they're doing for magazines. They are you, know, you can sort of mix and match the size you want. They're going into 
magazines that you know people know and love like Martha Stewart Living. Um, but I, I think ultimately, you know, there, with uh, this and the radio ad, Jill, I mean, there, it's it's just a function of getting uh, advertisers, um, giving them a little more utility. And obviously, um, you know, it's not that Google is going to come in and sort of suck all the ads out of your magazine. You have to opt in for them to do this. And I would assume it would be the same uh, with radio as well. What they're offering is essentially an extension of a, an auction marketplace that they that they work very well on. Um, I hate to uh, be so uncolumnist-like and say, you know, it remains to be seen how well that goes. But I guess just in general, um, I'm not so sure that the sky is falling for traditional media just because of Google. And I do think this could be the year when we see there's actually limits to, the, to how much Google can do and do well. Well, I'm a bit skeptical myself. Uh, you know, they own the real estate with their own site and search mm-hmm. results and so forth. They don't own the real estate with uh, both of these particular categories, radio and magazine. So I think uh, uh, the jury's still out on whether that's going to come to uh, the question to is, life. The question is, don't blink, though. Well, <laughs> yeah, watch watch your it. back. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. And, uh, you know, real quickly, last summer we interviewed... Uh, the online film creators of Epic 2014, uh, Sloan and Thompson. For those unfamiliar with the film, it's basically just a, uh, a short film that takes actual events of the last several years and combines them with the future timeline, suggesting the evolution of uh, future media. And one of their predictions, John, as you well know, is that in 06, Google will combine all of its services, Gmail, Google Mail, uh, Google News, etc., along with others such as TV and Blogger, uh, into what will be known as a Google Grid of sorts. Uh, how close are we to this actually happening, John? You know, well... Google, to their credit, um, you know, do stuff very slowly and very quietly, which is probably the best way to do it because there's so many people, you know, waiting to comment on every move they make. Um, I think, you know, we're a good year or so away from any kind of grand unified theory of Google uh, taking place. I mean, you know, they're they're kind of testing out various things. Um, you know, they're they're also testing out Google Base, which you know can be considered to be their chance, their shot at getting into newspaper classified ads. But it hasn't really been integrated yet. Um, one really thing, one really important thing to keep in mind with Google is that there's a lot of stuff they do that people, you know, don't think of, and that stuff hasn't really succeeded that well. We've got to take a break here with John Fine here on the Advertising Show. By the way, according to our uh, Advertising Show uh, staff meteorologist Lou Pressure, uh, in New York City there is lightning, 60 mile per hour winds, and 26.9 inches of snow on the ground for you, John. That would be a record snowfall. It would since 1869. It is back in just a minute with more on the Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow-white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing Yes, that was when we thought Coke was just a great thing to drink. Drink lots of Coke mm-hmm. and uh, all that kind of good stuff. You can, take your, you can take your hand off my knee now. Yeah, right. What? Okay. <laughs> it's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, John Fine in New York City. will be joining us next hour for more conversation. 
Good stuff uh, out of John. John was the, yeah. uh, or is the media columnist for Business Week. And we'll he say was. Fired there, yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, he can go back to advertising age. There's nothing wrong with that. There's <laughs> an true. office right down, the, right down the hall from Rance. Uh, According Rance to John, said. he didn't burn any bridges, but we'll check on that. Yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> no. Anyway, John is, John is stuck in his apartment, and it's true about the, uh, the snowstorm, Brad. Uh, literally, since they started keeping a uh, record back in 1869, uh, this is a record-breaking storm. The last was 26.4 inches or something Well, in 47. So it's cold there. On the wind, on, on the coast, uh, up toward Massachusetts, they've got winds of 60 miles an hour. They're worried about coastal flooding. And it's not only snowing, Brad, it is lightning in New York City. I want to go out on a limb and say that they're going to go upstate New York, and they're going to interview some people, and these people they interview, they're going to end up saying something along the lines of, I've lived here 40 years, I've never seen snow like this. <laughs> That's very Why good. do they always do that? I don't know, because they yeah. have and they can. <laughs> of course hey, they can. Oprah's going to be on the radio. Did you hear about this? <clears throat> yeah, I did. It's XM Satellite Radio, Oprah Winfrey's Harpo Radio have uh, signed a three-year $55 million deal. Well, I tell you one thing. When I was in broadcast, I didn't pay that much uh, to, to launch a channel featuring the popular talk show host, the companies uh, said. Uh, let's see. Oprah and Friends, <laughs> not to be confused with Barney and Friends, mm. will be start, starting broadcasting in September. We'll feature original programming from Harpo Radio, including a weekly reality show uh, with Win- Winfrey and her best uh, friend, uh, Gail King. Uh, let's see, daily programming on the channel covering topics ranging from nutrition and fitness to self-improvement and current events. That's a new twist. Several popular Oprah personalities, including Bob Green. Bob Green? No. That's the, the, that's the uh, workout guy. Bob Green is a workout guy? Okay. Yeah, the personal trainer of hers. And Mamet, Dr. Mamet Oz, appearing on the show. Oprah, a prolific force in our culture whose unprecedented achievements in television, film, and publishing, and philanthropy, and promoting fake books. Right, <laughs> you know, I, can now be heard on the radio. Yeah, this Gail King you mentioned, I, I like to call her the hanger-on friend. The hanger-on? Yeah, I Oprah. mean, she, had, you know, uh, Oprah had a had her out doing her own show for a while, and that yeah. fell on its face. So now she brings her into the into the uh, on her own program. And I guess with uh, with Oprah now having a program, uh, could Doctor Phil be far behind? Probably not. And yeah. it'd be good to get him on there as well. Well, don't stop quickly. You're right behind Oprah. You could bump into something there. What about James uh, Fry? What, I wonder if she'll have him on. I don't well, think he's, so. Well, he's actually going to be on uh, a new cable. He's got a cable show coming out on the Sci-Fi Network. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yes. From his jail cell <laughs> or something like that. So. Yeah, well, he's, don't be feeling too sorry for that millionaire, huh? He has the money now, but I, I would be cautious to... Cash the check, so to speak. They'll probably be going yeah. back the other way, if you know what I mean. Well, Lawyers' fees. That, that, that book was pitched as uh, as a as a uh, fictional novel, and it was uh, decided on later after being rejected several times that if it came out as a uh, nonfiction uh, uh, genre, it would it would fly, and it did. And sure. now he's flown the coop. Hey, real quickly, Ray, the internet. Uh, is the primary source of hiring for U.S. corporations. Uh, this, according to Booz Allen, conducted uh, recently. The study found that Internet sources produced 51% of all hires in 2005. Largest percentage of new hires came from corporate websites, uh, followed by general job boards as well as uh, niche uh, job boards and social networking sites. John was talking a little bit about that. Uh, I'd like to make an alert here, an announcement, note to all employees of the traditional employment agencies, it's time to get your own resume handy. Okay, okay. 
because I don't see that. Uh, you know, it's kind of. I, I ran into a guy years ago. It was uh, late uh, late nineties, and he he said, you know, I, my wife and I got a hell of a deal on a travel agency. And I said, hmm, I'm not sure you really want to get into that business. <laughs> no and kidding. I think right today, it's now the employment agencies are the ones that are taking uh, taking the hit, and that'll be something that you can tell your grandchildren, yeah, one day there was, uh, long ago, a, a place you could go that was like a building, and you walk into an office, and you get a job. Yeah, it's right. called an employment agency. Uh, I think I remember those, actually. And haven't been to too many, so that's a good thing. Fortunately for yeah. you, yes. You're always yeah. employed. Well, you and me both. <laughs> We've been a little bit blessed in our careers here. We've got uh, some good things coming your way. We've got uh, the advertising showcase, good advertising on the way here in just a couple of minutes. John Fine is back with us next hour along with uh, Patrick Meyer, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer as well. So we'll be back in just a minute on the advertising show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the advertising show. On the advertising show, a very uh, familiar theme for a product that was real big in the 1960s. Brad and I remember that, but... uh <laughs> Not many others do, Old Spice. Yeah, old right. people wore it most of the time, didn't Yes, they, they did. Yes, they mm-hmm. did. Uh, oh, they knew their market. And, and Doug's father, that's fine. Was he old back then, Doug? Yes, he was. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> John Fine will be back with us next hour, the media columnist for Business Week. And uh, we'll be talking more to John uh, next hour as well. Uh, every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. This week we've got some good news for you. And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff. Here's Ray and Brad. By the way, I have to tell you, this is not the good stuff. You might have heard the, this, the chair before. Let's see who will do it. The, the, the studio chair here, Brad, is about to yeah. break, uh, so right. if I fall on the floor, please pick me up. Okay, thank you very much. This time it'll be because of the chair. Exactly. <laughs> well, but I'm being, where yeah. are my drums when I need them? What's, I don't know. Uh, what, do you got, uh, what do you got good for us this week? Well, you know, several weeks ago, uh, we, we made an exception in the typical way that we handled advertising, and we featured a personal experience that I had with a major automotive manufacturer, and it wasn't a good experience. That's why it was the advertising. Yes. I mean, it was meant to illustrate the importance of a consumer brand experience. And in the uh, interest of fairness, Ray, I have a positive experience to share this week that just really is a, a great way of illustrating the point. The, the company called uh, is called Polar Eyes, which is a manufacturer of premium sunwear. And uh, I originally bought these uh, sunglasses purely because of the, the look as well as the, the lens of the uh, of the uh, of the glasses that I was trying on, and it wasn't until later that I realized that the uh, particular brand came with a, a lifetime warranty, which uh, was something I read on the little card you get after I got home. So uh, I was impressed with the fact that it said that they would replace or repair any any uh, defects or materials, workmanship, etc. But as is usually the case, uh, we only know how good a warranty is when you need it, right? Right. Uh, so, so I had this problem with the little rubber piece, you know, that goes on the nose part of your sunglasses. Sure. 
it kept coming off. So I called the home office in California. The lady sounded really concerned. She goes, here, let me nail you some of those, and you could probably just glue it right back on and, you know, so on and so forth. So that's really what I wanted. And so I did that and tried it for a, a month or two, and it came off again. I called the company back, and apparently the, the girl that I talked to remembered me. Hmm. And she said, why don't you just send me the pair of sunglasses that you have and let me send you a new pair? And I was I was astonished that she was saying that. I mean, these are not cheap sunglasses. And uh, so what what really kind of blew me away here was the fact that not only did she remember who I was, but here's a, a brand that's standing behind, uh, you know, what they say they'll do. And they did it in a way that now I'm their biggest uh, evangelist, of course. And it's a great sure. example of how a brand experience can overcome, in this case, a brand I'd never heard of before, a brand that probably has little to, to no ad budget. Uh, the example of several weeks ago I shared uh, was a poor product and service experience that I had with Chrysler Jeep manufacturer. You know, and when you think about it, think about uh, the thousands of dollars that it costs to purchase a vehicle and the, you know, less than 100 bucks that it, in this case, that it would cost to purchase your sunglasses. And sure. here, uh, an, an experience that I had destroyed a uh, a twenty-five, thirty thousand dollar purchase, and I'll probably never uh, purchase a Jeep again. I must tell you, it's not because I don't like the the product. I mm-hmm. just didn't like the experience when it came to to looking after a, a follow-through as a, a consumer that I had in dealing with the company. And here, a you know, sixty, seventy dollar pair of sunglasses. I'll not only buy that brand again, but I will tell everybody that'll listen how wonderful of an experience that I had with that particular. Brand. So congratulations again this uh, this week to uh, a great experience, a great brand experience to Premium Pol- uh, Polar Eyes Sunwear for this week's Advertisers Showcase item of the week. And by the way, Same you inter- do you have their number? PolarEyes.com. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Yeah, go hey, what was that again? Yeah. That's P-O-L-A-R-E-Y-E-S. Dot com. Thank you very much. Okay. Notice how I didn't put the three W's in front of That's that. That's so smart. I had a good experience like that. I bought a one of those radio-controlled indoor airships, the kind that you inflate, and they're about sure. four feet you long. and fly it around, yeah. Uh, for my granddaughter, who's two years old, because it's an age-appropriate gift, you see. And the doggone thing didn't work. The uh, the radio control part didn't work. You had to touch the airship to make it, you know, fly. So I called the guys in Canada, and they said, well, we'll just send you another radio control thing or whatever, and they sent me a whole new airship. And I said, at that time, I said, did you need me to send the other one back? And the guy says, nah. <laughs> I think a a lot of companies are wising up to this, Ray. I had another experience with a a product that was shipped to me. It was an item that leaked uh, in uh, in shipment, and it just leaked a little bit. And I sent them an email saying, I just want to let you know it leaked, you know, and I'm waiting on this other item, and it didn't come in the box. And it leaked, but it's no big deal. And they came back with, well, the other item's backordered, and I want to tell you that we're going to send you a new uh, version of what you had ordered before just because it leaked because then we apologize and we don't know how that happened. I think many companies are, are picking up on the customer experience and how important that is. Was that the people that sold you the plutonium? No, but what was leaking, it was a very interesting thing. I'll just leave to your imagination. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. You can't sir you know, you was can't Was it for send, Valentine's Day? Was uh, it bigger well, than a bread box? <laughs> It was actually bread. I know. It was Old Spice, Doug. That's what it was. Exactly what it was. People said, there's that old bastard. You can't believe it. No. That's good. More with uh, John Fine, who is uh, not an old, you know what, uh, <laughs> out of New York City. And uh, much more to come, too. Uh, Patrick Meyer, J- Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz, who I uh, were, too, on the advertising show. Being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. 
This is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Borsai. Our number two of the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com, the Advertising Show a big radio midgets production will continue our conversation in New York City where if you haven't been online or haven't been watching television it is incredibly snowy there it's it's huge no doubt the kids will be going to school tomorrow John Fine is in New York City media cons- columnist for the Business Week magazine we've got uh, Patrick Meyer on the way to this hour Jeffrey Gittimer going to talk about value Andy Borowitz a little bit later on this half hour with uh, Super Bowl 40 uh, recap so We've got that for you. And, you know, Brad, we talked about the Olympics last hour. Mm -hmm. And it says, uh, this is from uh, Forbes.com. It says, never mind the Olympic podium. Who will line the cereal aisles? That's true. Think about that. Mm -hmm. A new Olympics uh, name means an orange box, a Wheaties box. The Breakfast of Champions will feature, will it be uh, figure skating's uh, Michelle Kwan leading, uh, lending her face, Mm -hmm. I should say? Don't think so. Don't think so. Uh, or maybe uh, Julia Mancuso or snowboarding Sean White. Um, the, the tradition of faces on Wheaties boxes, I didn't uh, know whether you knew this or not. This is 1958 that it began, way back when. <laughs> Two-time Olympic uh, pole vaulting champion Bob Richards led his mug to the uh, cereal box. Before the uh, vaulting vicar, as he was called, the vaulting vicar. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Athletes appeared on either the back or the side panels. Since Richard, some 15 individual Olympians and two Olympic teams, women's gymnastics and women's ice hockey, have followed suit. I wonder if curling will make the the Wheaties box. I don't think so. Uh, Lieutenant Billy Mills. 64 Olympic, uh, 10,000-meter champion. The second gold medalist to be featured on the Wheaties box. And let's see, Bruce Jenner, another Wheaties champion. I remember mm-hmm. that. Matter of fact, I still think we have some in our pantry. Um, well, what, hap- <laughs> what happens is they put these guys on the front, and they call all their friends and relatives, and sales spike. So they realize they need to do that more often. Certainly. And it also doesn't hurt to be on the Wheaties box. It helps your careers. Sure. Um, you know, uh, like Jenner says, he has done eight motivational speeches in the last two and a half weeks. So the, uh, the uh, momentum continues after all of these years. He also sells jets, corporate jets. It's called Bruce Jenner Aviation. So the man's been successful uh, in his uh, career after in being his, on a Wheaties box. In his infomercial career. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, he never he, looked good in those either. He really did. He looked he looked uh, almost anorexic or something. Yeah, Very his strange. face is a little weirded out. It's kind of like he's had, uh, you know, Botox to his entire upper neck and... Uh, Anything above his neck. Yeah, he had the lip treatment done just to, to his entire face is what it was, actually. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Actually. Yeah, and if, you want, if anybody out there is looking for any uh, uh, fat to inject into your lips, both Ray and I have some we'll happily to uh, share with you. Yeah, being and Valentine's just, Day, we have uh, love handles available, and it's a very but, cheap. Well, you, you call yours love handles. I call mine spoilers. It's by design <laughs> I have those. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you buoyant there in the surf, doesn't it, Brad? That's yes, true. it does. Did, did you get enough of Jeff, Jessica? Simpson during her uh, Pizza Hut pregame spot? Yes. You did? Yes. Well, if you didn't, 
and, and I did too. But if you didn't, and I thought this was really a good idea, Ray, uh, apparently there's an online component that uh, will take you further, and that, uh, created by Atmosphere BBDO. Uh, the site uh, allows visitors to create their own version of Simpsons. The bites were made for Poppin'. Uh, each uh, cheesy bite on the visual mm-hmm. represents a diverse music track. And then the pepperoni on the pizza <laughs> allows you to uh, mix uh, sound effects. And basically, you have seven different tracks that you can end up with a Simpson uh, sing-along to the remixed version of what you create there, and then you email it to your friends and family and relatives. And, you know, i got to tell you, online extensions of involving a consumer in in a company's advertising or product is something that we've seen a little bit here and there, and you're going to see so much more of that, I think, around the... Uh, around the corner and, and on into 06 and 07, and it, especially when it has the viral pass-along component, as in this case. It's, a, it's a, you know, any time you do a Super Bowl spot, as we talked about with uh, Tor. It better well be there, yeah. Exactly. Well, as we talked about with Tor last week, yeah, with mm-hmm. uh, who's with, uh, who's he with, Leo Burnett, uh, Detroit. Uh, right. uh you know, if you don't have the URL, the online uh, version into your, integrated into your Super Bowl spot, you're wasting your money. That's true. And you're not yeah. being real smart about your advertising. Let's uh, check in with Patrick Meyer here on The Advertising Show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Tell me, tell me, tell me, what is an iconoclast? That's what I kept thinking. I thought I knew it in context, but I was seeing it everywhere. I saw the iconoclast on cable on Sundance Channel. I read about it in PR in a magazine. I saw it online. I saw it as an eight-page insert in a magazine. The iconoclast, and they're showing people that I aspire to. There's Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Look at that, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the iconoclast. Michael Stipe of R.E.M. and Mario Botelli. What a contrast. A brilliant concept here that I want to share with you that has a learning for all of us. It's an example of zagging when the rest of the world is zigging. The brand is Grey Goose. Think back, the heritage, rated as the number one vodka, a list you've seen in print of 30 different vodka brands with Grey Goose at the top. It's the one that's got an unusual bottle. But what else do you know about it? Top vodka, more expensive. Someone along the way said, we need more imagery. But a smart agency and a smart client said, let's not just go and do what everybody else did. They created a property called the Iconoclast, where they brought together different people being interviewed by one another. So Michael Stipe with Mario Batelli, that's intriguing. Robert Redford and Paul Newman interviewing one another. Here, my hat goes off to the agency and the client for developing a property, a 360-degree property that they could take into print, online, onto the Sundance channel, create content, eventually take it to video on demand, also taking it to retail and other places. So my message to you is simple. Create iconoclastic assets for yourself. When the agency comes in with an idea, say, that's standard. We need to create something, do less better for ourselves, own it that fits with our brand personality. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. By the way, go to the uh, theadvertisingshow.com. It's a very functional website and very very active uh, as well. It's got uh, the podcast, the RSS feeds, and it's uh, really quite unique in its presentation, and it's made in part uh, possible that way by our good friend Ed Schippel at Schippel.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Schippel & Company is a web marketing company, and they'll teach you how to... Uh, 
uh, well, do it right, I, I suppose is a good way to put it. Ed is just an incredible guy. He spends a, a ton of uh, time each day just trying to figure out ways to make things uh, happen better for websites. And, and he comes through and does that. So thanks to Ed and his team here in Houston at Shipple.com. If we knew this, Brad, we knew it, uh, but, but McDonald's has finally come clean, so to speak, revealing everything. Uh, have you uh, seen this, possibly? Consumers okay. bellying up to a McDonald's quarter pounder with cheese at any of the hmm. 26 restaurants in Torino, Italy, will be the first to lay eyes on the fact that the sandwich possesses 730 calories. Dear <laughs> Lord. Oh, it's the packaging, yeah. Yeah, yeah 730 mm-hmm. calories, uh, 1,330 megs of uh, sodium, 160 uh, milligrams or, or whatever that is of cholesterol, and 40 grams of fat. Do oh, we really want to know this? Have it your way. No, it's Burger King, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, right. um, so we'll be uh, we'll be on the phone with uh, John Fine out of New York City here in just a moment and continue our conversation with him, Glenn Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Here's two good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will pour. Must say something more somehow. So tonight, 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 let it be low and brown. Let it be low and brown. It's uh, funny, Doug almost spilled his beer here as we sing along with that song. It's kind of like the Coke song, you know, yeah. the, uh, the serendipity singer song or whatever. Uh, John Fine has been a, a freelance, if you were with us last hour, a freelance uh, uh, reporter and writer for GQ, Spin, ESPN, the magazine, Columbia Journalism Review. Also uh, uh, has been uh, uh, on, quoted, that is, on a broad topic of uh, media-related issues on Outlets ranging from CNN to Entertainment Tonight to uh, NPR to the New York Times. And he's uh, talking to us. I'm sorry? And now the advertising. And now now the advertising show, indeed. Yeah, put that down on your resume. I've said anything quotable thus far, and I'm not quite sure I have. But hey. We'll 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 say something. We'll we'll quote it. That'll be fine. Well, we'll go back through, and we'll just, you know, edit in new words that you've uh, not said yet. We have the capabilities, John. Just be cautious. You can start doing that to my columns, too, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Probably so. No problem. problem. And uh, also, by the way, uh, and you mentioned this last hour as well, Brad, but uh, John's blog is at uh, businessweek.com forward slash innovate forward slash fine on media f-i-n-e on media it's also accessible on via the front page of businessweek.com okay uh, would you buy a banner or something john or what oh well we have ways we have ways and you know we'll mention uh, your blog a couple times in the future if you would trade us a link no i can't get into that right now can we uh you I'm know you want to mention you want to mention us in your column or on your blog, theadvertisingshow.com, and, you know, surge our online listeners beyond what we already have, which are huge. Uh, that's your call. Five. That's your call. Have we had enough with John? Well, we'll see you later, John. <laughs> uh, no, you know, and we do we do have a worldwide audience, and, and uh, 25% of our audience is beyond North America, and so uh-huh. we want to welcome welcome our listeners around the world. And, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about podcasting. Ray mentioned last hour about theadvertisingshow.com, and we're very familiar with 
uh, podcasting, uh, online live streaming, for example, that we adopted back in uh, during the launch of our show in the fall of '01. Podcasting since last year. Uh, on your uh, blog, John, you, you pose the question: Can podcasting do business? Uh, and Ray and I want to pose a question to you: How do we make a buck or two on our podcasting? Uh, basically, the, the most interesting thing I've heard about uh, in terms of podcast advertising is that the people, the company that makes Dixie Cups, which I believe is Kimberly Clark, uh, but don't quote me, um, they approached the women who run a very popular uh, uh, podcast called The Mommy Cast, which, surprise, surprise, is for young parents. And basically, they just gave them a chunk of money. And as far as I can tell, the deal is that the women doing the podcasts are just going to make a couple of podcasts that are basically about you know, Dixie Cups or whichever product that uh, Kimberly Clark wants them to uh, kind of spot off about. So it's sort of a product placement, but it's sort of like just being sure that you're going to be talked about. The women at the mommy cast swear that they're just going to say pretty much whatever pops into their head and that this isn't, they're not just going to get on there and do an infomercial or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's one of the most interesting things I've heard about in terms of podcast advertising. Uh, it's such a new form that there's no obvious ad model yet, and it's uncertain as to not whether or not people want to pay for um, podcasts. In fact, uh, there's so much free stuff out there that it's hard to believe they will. But as with any brand-new medium, um, you know, there actually are chances to do something totally different. And uh, what Kimberly Clark has done with the Mommy Cast is pretty much an interesting idea. So I guess that you guys just have to find someone to convince you to sit around and kind of riff on them, and, uh, you know, boom, you're in the clover. Beautiful. Mm, that's we were easy to riff, and we're easy to be bought off too. The uh, you know we, we talk a little bit about uh, measurement tools and podcasts, and I understand that there's a lot being written about uh, lately about uh, companies getting into that business. Any widely accepted metrics uh, being bannered around out there industry wide that uh, company that uh, organizations are looking to for podcast measurement that you know of, John? Uh, podcast measurement, I mean, measurement of established media like television and uh, magazines is actually kind of problematic right now as, uh, as, you know, marketers are starting to say things like, okay, well, you know, these copies go out there or these TV sets are on, but are people actually paying attention to the ads? Um, mm-hmm. What you have with podcasts is that it's, you know, an even more nascent medium than either of those. You can track how many people are downloading podcasts, and um, since podcasts are pretty short, you know, you can guess that the people downloading them because... Um, you know they're going to they're going to hear the entire thing number 1 number 2 because podcasts still are young enough so that you know you have to kind of look for the stuff you want um it's a good bet that the people listening to them are very engaged which is something advertisers want but in terms of there being Nielsen ratings or anything like that for podcasts no that hasn't come up yet and i would bet it would be a while just because um the people that are really obsessing about measurement are worried about the stuff that goes to millions and millions of people and Podcasts, when you hear right down, are still a pretty small part of the world right now. It's growing very mm. quickly, but um, its numbers are nothing compared to you know uh, people that would listen to a major metropolitan area's uh, radio show, for instance. I, I think I agree. The the key going forward will be the fact that people are actually consuming and seeking out uh, podcasts and interested enough to to seek out that content that makes it a value. I think to the sponsor or advertiser. I want to go back to your. Uh, your mommy's uh, podcast that you mentioned. And we've all heard a lot about companies and their employees who create a blog site with the intention mm-hmm. of, of co- favorably promoting the company's products or services and, of course, under the guise of being a real blog, a so-called covert blog strategy, if you mm-hmm. will. Can can something like this uh, work today, considering today's savvy online consumers? 
the covert blog or the mommy cast sort of situation or both really i'm thinking more not so mommy cast because you said that they the sponsor separates any uh influence that they're wanting to put on the content of that particular mm-hmm. podcast but in the case where a blog site is actually developed by an employee or a mm-hmm. company pretending to be a uh, independent source but yet really trying to control or to trying to distribute favorable content about a company's product or services? I think that that kind of stuff gets um, very tricky. I think, first of all, that that tends to be ignored pretty quickly because um, people are fairly savvy about what they read. Um, and they can you, you can just sort of tell. I mean, you know, like if it, if it walks like a duck but, you know, it barks like a dog, uh, chances are it's not really a duck. And mm-hmm. um, people are pretty adept at telling ducks from dogs these days. Well, there's your quote. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, we'll, we'll put that on Animal Planet next week. Right. That, 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 that sounds great. Um, no. but seriously, back to the um, back to the notion. I mean, certainly there are you know corporate blogs of like you know varying you know degrees of um, goodness, but I have a hard time believing that the covert stuff really can work in a, in a big way. We've got to take a break here as uh, we are talking with uh, John Fine out of New York City, the media columnist for Business Week. And uh, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. We've got, uh, what is it, Jeffrey Gittimer on the way talking about value. A lot of, uh, a lot of a good word <laughs> and a good thing to have value in your brand. Do you? We'll find out. We'll find out how to get it, I should say, in just a couple of minutes. A little bit later on this hour, it's Andy Borowitz recapping Super Bowl Forty, And it has something to do with our good president, not Dick Cheney, who is... Quail hunting. Now, I wonder if Dan Quail was out there, Brad, uh, this weekend at the ranch in Texas, and he shot the other guy instead. Who knows? Uh, anyway, we'll be back with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and uh, it's the advertising show. Stay with us. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. The word value has a real difficult time being defined, let alone understood. Giving value and adding value are corporate buzzwords that Many salespeople and sales executives have a difficult time in understanding, let alone defining, let alone providing. Most people think that value is all about something that a company adds, added value. You couldn't define added value if I gave you a thousand bucks right now. It's some small additional service, something tacked onto a product, uh, maybe a slight reduction in price, even something free. Wrong. These are promotions, not values. Value is something that's done for the customer in favor of the customer. In my case, I found that it's most effective to give value first and give it without expectation and give it often and give it without expectation and give it to your best prospects and customers. And did I mention give it without expectation? Don't owe anybody anything. Don't let them owe you anything. Just give it. I give value through my weekly column and my weekly email magazine, Sales Caffeine. People call me out of the blue and thank me, ask me for my information, hire me. They buy from me. People don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. But here's the rule. Here's the mantra. It's so simple. I put myself in front of people who can say yes to me, and I deliver value first. You want my highest recommendation? Make it your mantra. 
quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. What's up? Dino's stolen the different vitamins we need to make Flintstones. Yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo. Flintstone vitamins are good to chew with vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Hope your body work and grow right. We the advertising show is back with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest out of New York City, snowy New York City, John Fine, media columnist with Business Week. John, welcome back to the advertising show. It's great to have you here. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Yeah, uh, John, what do you think uh, the biggest media business story is going on right now? I mean, there's a lot out there, I know. I'm putting you on the spot, but just pick one. The biggest media story as of right now has been the um, enormous rise of uh, MySpace and sites like it. Um, MySpace, uh, myspace myspace.com to be precise, is a site that's sort of best described as social networking. Um, It's really deceptively simple. It basically allows its users to put up web pages about themselves. they can post pictures, they can post music, they can share it across the platform. Uh, as I said, it sounds deceptively simple, but it's just gotten ginormous. I think um, last month, if I remember my numbers correctly, they attracted 40 million unique users, which is something like a five- or six-fold increase from about a year previous. This is a site that's only been in existence for two years. Uh, last summer, Rupert Murdoch's News Corp uh, purchased them for $580 million, and at the time, people were kind of shocked that it got that much money, and now, if anything, they're thinking that he might have gotten a deal out of it. Wow. Yeah, social networking is really, I guess, uh, the trend of, of where we see community and online communities going, don't you think, John? Well, pretty much. I mean, and I think it, it even goes beyond that. I mean, I would argue that this is the one mass medium by which to reach a mass audience of, uh, you know, Americans under the age of 25 right now. I mean, you pretty much can't do it through TV. You pretty much can't through it, you know, do it through radio anymore. Um, you're definitely not going to do it through uh, newspapers and, you know, some magazines, you know, perhaps. But, um, you know, the numbers are just really undeniable. When it, when it, you know, when, when you're trying to reach um, teens and 20-somethings, I mean, your best bets are places like MySpace and for guys, video games. You know, uh, just to uh, let you know that we're, you know, watching you online and every step you take, John, you were recently on a panel at the uh, McGraw-Hill Media Summit uh, uh, talking about DVR and VOD technology as a disruptive market force, uh, Comcast. Rec- I'm sorry. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't have to tell me that. I mean, we can tell you what you're doing right now. And those boots that you're wearing are very nice, very thank nice you, looking boots. You. They're a little wet though right now. Well, what can I tell you? The, uh, the the Comcast. I don't know if you've caught this. Just recently came out with some sponsored research suggesting that VOD had no negative effect on viewership habits. So, is it disruptive, or could it be argued, as Comcast would like for you to believe, that actually uh, adds to viewership? Well, I mean, it does add to viewership. The problem is, does it add to people viewing ads? And the answer to that is no. Um, you know, advertisers get really freaked out about technologies like TiVo and uh, video on demand. And you know, there, there, there's something. There's something behind why they're upset, but um, 
you know, there's a heck of a lot of ways to skip ads, and not all of them were invented in the past three or four years. That's exactly I mean, you know, right, there yeah. was the, you know, the kitchen break, the bathroom break, you know, even before the remote control. Yeah. Um, video on demand, I don't think there's any question that people are going to watch more TV because of it. The question is, if they're really in control of how this stuff is coming to them, um, are they going to see ads? How are they going to see ads? What kind of ads are they going to stop and watch? Um, you know, how are they going to deal with product placements and show? I mean, it's... The fact that people are still watching TV or watching more TV doesn't mean that it's not still a very disruptive technology to advertisers. You know, not so many, uh, I guess not so many, what am I saying, many years ago, uh, we didn't have a, as many uh, outlets to be writing and talking about as uh, as we did back in the early 60s, But uh, and Ray and I were certainly young, young children at that time, but uh, can you imagine the... Uh, Hoopla over putting buttons on radio. My God, they're going to skip the commercials. So, uh, I mean, you know, how far can you go back with this? Uh, you know, there's always been concern. And I think really what it comes down to is you create a, a great spot, whether it's TV, radio, whatever, and uh, grab the attention of the viewer or the listener, and you will catch, you know, and they'll listen. And do it in a way that's a bit uh, in your face and all about you and what you want to sell the consumer, and it's a turnoff no matter what. So, you know, you just think the advertisers need to be a little smarter about what they do. Do you think ad agencies have to push the 30-second TV spot today to their clients because of their financial model being dependent upon that? Uh, the, the short answer to that is yes, although if they're smart, they're, they're going to start getting away from that. Uh, television, doing 30-second spots is the most profitable uh, form of advertising if you're an ad agency. And um, there's also sort of subtle cultural factors that kind of um, go into that as well. I mean, you know, a 30-second spot, you know, to a advertising uh, agency person is kind of their chance to do Hollywood. You know, it's like their movie. They right. come together, they're real. And everyone wants to be on TV. The problem is that, you know, there, there's more and more uh, data showing you that it's really not the best way to go when it comes to reaching consumers. And is 30 seconds the right way? I don't know. Maybe 15 is probably better these days. Certainly the trend less. is to go, yeah, the trend is to go shorter <laughs> than the longer. But, uh, you know, we have a little about a, a minute left here. You recently, in uh, December, you wrote an article about, uh, or a column about Bob Greenwood, Interpublic uh, Group's New York-based interactive agency, RGA, uh, and his survival guide for today's ad man. You, su- you suggested that, summing it, summing it up, that he said uh, you need to create marketing or a marketing experience. What did he mean by that? Well, basically, you know, you want you want to create something that's different. You don't want to just do a print ad or a 30-second ad. I mean, this is a guy who did an interactive billboard in Times Square where, you know, people could point their cell phones at it and sort of change the design of a sneaker. And I think, you know, there were chances to actually win major prizes doing that. These are just sort of cool ideas for people to play with media and interact with media uh, in the guise of marketing. And they can kind of stand or fall as programming in and of themselves, which is, you know, one new way that advertisers have to look at their work right now. Well, any uh, any final thoughts about uh, just where we can expect media to go? And we've got about 30 seconds. We've got less than 30 seconds, actually. Wow. So. With less than 30 seconds. Uh, so. Well, you know, I was going to tell you guys, but it was going to take me more than 30 seconds. No, uh, I just... Um, <laughs> You'd have to kill this, us, this yeah. is going to be another very disruptive year, um, and I think maybe next year uh, we'll start seeing some of you know, the pieces being picked up. But there's just an awful lot of things brewing, most of which we talked about today. John and Fine. John it's Fine. a little unclear right now. We, we're all through here. Media columnist, Business Week magazine. John, thank you for being on the show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. When we 
decided to get a testimonial for Scotty's, we went right to the top. It's the advertising show, yeah. Hot cha 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 cha, right? Something like that. <laughs> you know, there's an interesting article. Uh, this is out of Business Week, as a matter of fact, um, and it is. Uh, it's called. Uh, it says, "Don't hide behind famous faces." Now, we all believe, Brad, that uh, you know Jimmy Durante was a good match for a, a Scotty's commercial. There's no right. doubt about that. Right. But it says, "Hitching your brand to a celebrity star won't help you win over the girl market. In fact, it could backfire completely." It says, uh, "You use their identity in your promotions, print ads, and commercials. Sometimes you even take on their identities completely, and uh, name products after them, like the uh, Curious Perfume by Britney Spears." Uh, mm-hmm. You lose credibility. Girls know celebrity endorsements are nothing but fabricated marketing stunts that have nothing to do with the uh, celebrity's heartfelt opinions about the product. Uh, they also know that celebrities are paid good money to promote the product, which it creates a little thing called conflict of in- interest. This disqualifies their endorsements as valid. Bucking the trend, celebrities swing in and out of popularity at the speed of light. How true that is. And if your relationship is with a fleeting celebrity rather than with the enduring benefits of your product, there's nothing to keep the, the client interested or the consumer interested once the fascination with the celebrity fades. Sure. Isn't that very interesting? That's a, that's a Business Week Online article that I just well, uh, we, grabbed onto here as well. As we've all often said, I mean, if there's some relevance to the celebrity endorsement, then it can make sense. But if it's just hooking your wagon to someone because you're... In, at a loss of things to say about your product or well, service. They've so. got that Brady Bunch kid. I see the, a short infomercial on with uh, the little kid. I forget his name. They mm-hmm. even show his picture. Uh, and he's endorsing uh, an exercise machine now. It's like, why? See, why would you do that? One of the Bobby. young... Uh, Bobby. Was it, it Bobby? Was. Yeah, Bobby. The, did he end up in jail or doing drugs or anything? No, that was from the Partridge family, actually. Oh, okay. Well, and most he's doing fine kids. now. Yeah, well, most of those kids, they they got to go through that. And you mentioned uh, Jessica S- uh, Simpson. You know, she's got a new uh, line of uh, footwear hmm. that she's coming out with. And, you know, for <laughs> who's going to buy that? Well, some kids that just worship whatever uh, Jessica does, and they'll buy some of her 60 to $160 uh, footwear. And, you know, Mom, i got to have it, and then it'll, you know, it'll peak and it'll go away. What has been said that cannot be said already about the Super Bowl? And the TV spots, I should say. I think it's already been said, so we're not going to talk. Yeah, I agree. Uh, One thing I do want to say, just very briefly, is the TiVo. We always give a TiVo report of the most downloaded uh, TV spots. And the top two ads, no surprise here as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. top two ads uh, of the top ten list for the Super Bowl replayed TV commercials from TiVo, AmeriQuest. AmeriQuest. Yeah. I, I mean, they were funny. I don't know that they had relevance to the this product or to the uh, service that they're in, but they were funny. Of course they did. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I like the FedEx spot. I thought that was a fantastic spot as well. Shipping your club. Exactly. And they weren't and they weren't around. Yeah. Budweiser also took uh, took honors in several uh, cases in the top ten. Three or four different slots mm-hmm. were uh, Budweiser product or AB, I should say, AB product. Ed. So yeah, Mo- moving on to another famous holiday, yes, uh, or an event, I Valentine's. should say. Well, Valentine's Day, yeah, don't forget it's this right. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mardi Gras, uh, Glad Trash Bags has inked a deal to be the lead <laughs> corporate sponsor for the first post-Katrina Mardi Gras in New Orleans. It's a good idea. I guess. Sure. Well, I mean, 
plenty of trash at the Mardi Gras and mm-hmm. probably still have some trash left over from Katrina. I just think that's real interesting. The joint Isn't venture it? between Clorox and Procter & Gamble, <laughs> which is already <laughs> donated. Well, this is good. More than 1.2 million Force Flex trash bags to the Gulf Coast cleanup will appear in TV and print ads and contribute more than 100,000 bags for Mardi Gras. They're going to need more. Actually, yeah. for that, it should but, be you know, an interesting. I'm part. glad to hear they're doing that anyway, don't you think? I mean, they're trying to get New Orleans back on its feet, and sure. you know, go ahead with Mardi Gras. You know, having a party and getting drunk in New Orleans has never been, you know, a big uh, task for tough, most people anyway. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. how difficult could it be? It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens during the celebration. Even more so, it'll be poignant. I wonder if uh, Ray. Uh, What's his name? Ray Nagin? Is that the, the yeah, mayor? Yeah, Nagin, right. He'll, he'll be in Baton Rouge, I'm sure. <laughs> get me out of here. You know how in a lot of cases people get drunk and tear stuff down? I understand that at this year's Mardi Gras, they're thinking about everybody getting drunk and Building cleaning stuff? up messes. Yes. Oh, cleaning up messes? Yeah. I see. Yeah, Fine. Because they can't tear it down. It's already torn down. You know, Tesco, in the uh, it's a very well-known leading supermarket chain out of the U.K., they're going to be coming to the U.S., and we want all of our worldwide listeners to know that if you go to your Tesco in the U.K., soon you'll be able to come one to the what, U.S. What's it called? Tesco? Like T-E-S-C-O? T-E-S-C-O. It's okay. a convenience store. How cool. That'll be neat yeah. to see. Yeah. Will they have British snacks and things like that, probably? I hope so. I, me too. Uh, more in just a minute here. Andy Borowitz on the way with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. There's nothing like the face of a kid eating a Hershey bar. There's nothing like it you'll ever see. It's The Advertising Show. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, about to wrap up this uh, great show with uh, John Fine, by the way. And uh, media columnist, Business Week magazine, we told you his blog before, but go to businessweek.com uh, and uh, just uh, type in John's name. It's J-O-N-F-I-N-E. Next week, we've got uh, Pam Talbot, who's the U.S. president, CEO of, of Edelman, and uh, she'll be with us uh, uh, February 19th, after Valentine's Day, okay? That'll mm-hmm. be great. And uh, right now, what we want to do is uh, kind of a quick segment here, Brad. Let's check in with Andy Borowitz. Okay, one more thing about the Super Bowl, okay? But just one more, and here it is. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. Earlier this week, and just hours after the Steelers sealed their 21-10 victory over the Seahawks in Super Bowl XL, President George W. Bush appeared on national television to call the Steelers' win a great victory in the war on terror. Mr. Bush said that the victory was a serious blow to Islamic terrorism because there was credible intelligence linking the Seahawks' quarterback to al-Qaeda. The president said that a series of warrantless wiretaps conducted by the National Security Agency had revealed troubling information about Seahawks quarterback Matt Hasselbeck. Additionally, during the game itself, the NSA intercepted several radio communications between the Seahawks' offensive coordinator and Hasselbeck's helmet. We were able to identify Matt Hasselbeck as the number three man in Al-Qaeda, Mr. Bush said, and now he has been destroyed. Reached in the Seahawks' locker room after the game, Mr. Hasselbeck commented, Well, I'm a little down, yeah, but I wouldn't say I was destroyed. 
In Washington, Senator Joseph Biden expressed skepticism about Mr. Bush's claim that the Steelers' Super Bowl win respected a major victory in the war on terror. I know the president is looking high and low for a shred of good news these days, but even for him, it seems like kind of a reach, Mr. Biden said. Asked to react to Mr. Biden's comments, Mr. Bush said he was not surprised, adding that this is just the kind of thing I'd expect to hear from the number five man in Al-Qaeda. Elsewhere, scientists discovered a crevice one mile deep in the face of Mick Jagger. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying... Keep it fake, baby. Yeah, and that's some serious stuff from uh, from the Super Bowl, too, as well. Mm-hmm. By the way, Dick Cheney is now on his way, according to our, our producer here, the advertising show, Doug. No, 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 to the uh, to the uh, U.S.-Mexican border. <laughs> he's, he's been hired. He bring a shotgun, and, and we'll see what happens oh, here. That's a good idea. Yeah, right, exactly. But he's got to pretend like he's really not wanting to shoot anybody. Yeah, or... They have to look like a quail. I wonder when they hit. Did he get hit in the leg? Did they just spray him in the back with some buckshot? It doesn't say the where details. the man got hit. Uh, sprayed with uh, with with buckshot. Oh, birdshot. Okay, sprayed with be, birdshot. Be careful. This is a live show. Andy Borowitz is going to have a column on that, no yeah. doubt, this week. Go to borowitzreport dot com. Uh, here we go. You talked about speedo before. Speedo mm-hmm. is a. Well, you know, I'm not Speedo. wearing mine today, but yes, I that, do. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Speedo's brand, most associated with swimming in hot weather, mostly swimsuits that are way too small, is taking right. a $4 million gamble at the Winter Olympics to plug in its line of activewear, seeking to rebrand itself as a competitor to Nike, Adidas, and Reebok. They probably ought to use more material. Speedo is outfitting defending uh, gold medalist uh, Bob Sutter, uh Vanetta Flowers, among other competitors, as it launches an expanded line of track jackets, yoga pants and sexier swimsuits for women how could you get a sexier swimsuit from speedo for women well what would it know. what would it include or what wouldn't it include i, well, guess? I think yeah what wouldn't it include you know one of the contestants from uh, the biggest loser when they started losing weight they revealed that they actually had a speedo on that they put on several years ago it became noticeable. <laughs> it had to be surgically removed, though. It was an interesting uh, little episode they had. So do you who's, have... Who, go ahead. I was just going to ask, who's the girl that uh, hosts The Biggest Loser? You know what I'm talking about? She had a talk show for a while. She was. She was an actress, and it was a very interesting... Uh, yeah, she had a talk show for a while. But And then she and, gained a whole bunch of weight, as Well, that's my question. She had They had her on there, yeah. and her name is... Uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, every time I see those people losing weight, the wonderful contestants, I'm thinking maybe she needs to jump into the fray. I was thinking that. It's a very cruel thing to say, but uh, I'm glad you said it instead of me. But it's true. What's it's her true. name? I don't know. We could, we could find out, but we only have Doug like a knows. minute left here. Doug, Doug does not know. He was going to look. Okay. He doesn't? Going yeah. to Google right now. Yeah. By the way, on, the, on your Visa card, you can... Uh, it, the Visa slogan has been with us for 20 years. Uh, it's everywhere you want to be. Which I think is a great slogan. I agree. And uh, they are adopting their first new tagline in 20 years. It's called Life Takes Visa. Life Takes Visa. Mm, I kind of like the old one. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Anyway. Um, And we'll see that on the web, the television magazine, and billboards, and so on and so forth. I I guess next week we'll report on the... uh and she just goes by her first name. Okay, we'll report on who that lady well, is. He's still, he's the, still looking at. Uh, he is. Uh, and, uh, we're all, and the music's playing, and I'm getting really <laughs> nervous now. Hey, go to the advertisingshow.com 
and uh, check out what we've got up there. For we'll have the podcast RSS feeds available of this uh, this show as well, as well as many other shows. Uh, it's theadvertisingshow.com. It's a great destination. Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Did you find it yet, Doug? Oh, darn. Visit online at adage.com. How about now? Caroline Ray and Doug gets a toaster for today's participation. This is the Big Radio Midgets production.